The Wellbeing Check-In. The Wellbeing Check-In with GoVox is all about spreading awareness of mental health conditions and sharing help, advice and stories around strengthening well-being. Hi guys, welcome to today's official GoVox podcast. Today we're going to be speaking to Richard, Ollie and Matt about mental health and what GoVox is about. So guys, welcome. Great Hi. to be here, thank you very much. Bonjour. So, um, so in the future we're going to be speaking to loads of different variety of people basically about mental health, their role, their jobs and stuff like that. Um, so essentially we've got things lined up such as speaking to teachers, so I've already signed one up for speaking to my previous school, John Henry Newman, about the mental health environment in the school, like what they have in place for people, and then future ones have got ones, got one talking about uh, sports and how exercise affects your mental health. Excellent. Um, so let's start off, what is GoBox and how did it come about? So I think for me, it's Richard by the way, uh, I don't know how we get introduced on these things. <laughs> So I think for me, um, I think off the bat, to have four guys sitting in a room from different backgrounds, different histories, different careers, um, talking about mental health is a massive leap forward. So GoVox really is a, a platform and a, a, an organisation and a company that's come out of the need to do that more, um, not just with men, um, and we do we do seek more diversity um, and support in other areas, but Really, GoVox started from um, from a pretty dark place um, a couple of years ago, back end of 2018. Uh, we experienced the loss of um, a couple of guys in our local community to suicide, and that made us think very differently about mental health, how we support people that we're responsible for um, and that we're connected to. So I think, as I said at the start, the fact that we've got two years down the line and we're supporting a huge number of people across a huge number of organisations. And then we've got four guys sitting in a room talking about mental health is already a big leap forward for me personally. Oh, definitely. And of course, like you were saying about diversity, like mental health affects everyone, but saying like four men, four blokes sitting in a room talking about it is quite hard because historically men have been brought up with the bravado, not like you don't need to talk about your feelings, like you're supposed to be macho and things like that. And now this day and age, as much as we've come so far with uh, learning about mental health, um, it's still quite a tough subject for, personally, men, I yeah. think. And um, yeah, it is, it is quite a big leap forward for people to be talking about so openly nowadays. Massively, I think. <clears throat> we've just scratched the surface on, on how far I think tackling the stigma will go. Like I said, just talking about it is the first step and, oh, and, a, and a great step in the right direction. But ultimately, talking about it is just part of the problem. How do you then deal with that? How do you mm. overcome these kinds of things? So that's where where I think we'll be going, especially it would be exciting to see where this podcast goes from that perspective is not just talking about it, but actually actual tangible ways to, to help people deal with what they've got going on in their own heads. Yeah, I think... Another like reason for the podcast is kind of like share what tools are out there for people, so then they can listen and find. Oh yeah, actually, I do enjoy exercise. I do enjoy socialising, 
And then they kind of realise, oh yeah, when I go out, play rugby with my mates, I do feel a lot better. Maybe I need to do that more. And that's kind of the idea, like spread knowledge and awareness of how to deal with mental health. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, we'll get back. In, we'll go back into a bit of the background stuff later in, in on this episode. But it's also key for me for people to know that when they do speak up, whatever medium they use to do it, whether it's just tapping a mate on the shoulder and mm. having a chat with them and just sharing with them that things aren't going right, that actually the difference is that I've noticed nowadays more than ever that people are willing to to support and help. Oh, yeah. It's just that they don't know. Who needs their support and help and that was the gap that we kind of identified um, as a group when we looked at how we were kind of failing some of our friends colleagues um, we, we came from a sporting background so it was teammates yeah that sort of stuff and I think as you say there with the with the male stuff I'm not particularly proud that until two years ago my view on mental health was everyone has a bad day mate yeah literally but I'm a product of my time. I was schooled through a grammar school, all boys school. You don't really put your head above the parapet and speak up emotionally. It was uh, a great environment and it taught me a lot, but it, it probably muted my emotional outlet. And then I went into a into a career, job, family, uh, still had sort of friends and pastimes outside playing rugby and that sort of stuff, but still probably even even when I transitioned into leadership roles and taking responsibility for people, not really understanding what happiness was about and and mental health and well-being. And I think people get scared by the term mental health, but when you actually talk to them about their feelings or happiness and those sorts of things, it starts to break down some of those barriers of it. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's a very sensitive subject and it is very hard to kind of, like I said, that barrier, that first initial kind of, yeah, of actually like telling someone you've got a problem is, like I said, it's the first barrier to knock down. And I think as soon as you kind of got it out there, yeah. it gets easier and easier to kind of talk about it when you know who's there to talk to. Yeah. I think I think a big part of the issue around addressing mental health is because it's not something you can see, not something you can yeah. touch, you can hear or feel. It's not something tangible that immediately presents itself in front of you. Hmm. So, so you can't see what's going on behind closed doors. Exactly right? that. So that unknown, I think, breeds a lot of uncomfortableness within a lot of people. So mm. by doing stuff like this and, and trying to raise the awareness, and it, mental health doesn't have to be something at crisis point. It can be anything from waking up with some anxieties or, or anything like that. So it's about addressing and breaking those barriers down in between, and also highlighting that it's not severe severe depression things like that it, yeah it, it can be less than that as well the, the, the power behind go boxes and it's something that we've really kind of had from day one is not waiting until it's too late to take action now too late could be a myriad of things it could be the very worst case scenario it could be someone attempting to take their own life let's hope there's less and less cases like that it could just be too late is someone stops turning up to an event or to a social group, or to their job. There's a thing called presenteeism where people are there, but not really there. So that could be too late. Too late could be being ill too often. Too late could be taking yourself out of a situation. So GoBox is all around trying to very softly, because you don't want to interrogate people. We've all got lives to lead. We don't want this to become the be all everything 
that kind of every day you go out and you almost get temperature checked on your mental health. Mm. But it is about helping identify at the point, but as early as possible. Because if someone's struggling, but you knew about it three, six, nine, twelve months earlier, and you could identify it and do something, it's actually cost shouldn't come into these things, but it's cheaper, it's quicker, it's easier, more effective to support somebody mm. before it becomes too late. And as I say, too late doesn't have to be the really dark side of things. Um, too late could just be someone just down at the moment and just just not feeling their best this week. Mm. And if you can catch that in your support network, then brilliant. So, Ollie, tell us a bit about yourself, your background, what you do and stuff like that. Yeah, so my background is... I don't want to use the term you, you sort of typical lad in a rugby environment because I don't think that's that's necessarily true. But from the outside, it's probably what you would see. Um, rugby and sports has been uh, a big part of my life since I can remember. I started at actually playing badminton. <laughs> I was actually very good at it as well. But there was a some teasing from all my mates about playing badminton at the time, and that's when I thought. I'll play rugby, it's a bit more macho, so that's uh, I've always had a bit of an issue with that when I think back on it because I wonder how far I could have gone. But nonetheless, I love rugby and achieved lots of things within it, so um, no regrets there. I'm chairman at North Oxford Centre Rugby League, um, that's initially where I heard of GoBox because we implemented it there as part of our mental health strategy um, and trying to do things a bit differently. Having used it from that kind of leadership role, that's when I decided to take the jump and work with GoBox in terms of the ultimate mission of getting this within every club and every organisation in the country because having seen the, the power of it and I genuinely think using it to save lives, even within our own small club, that was in incredibly powerful. So that's why I took the jump, that's what the mission is. Um, we're already making great strides to do that. We've got lots of, not just corporate organisations, but big clubs from all, all kinds of sports now that we're engaging with and are reacting to it really positively. So that's, that's me really. It's all, all sports-centric sport. and career-driven, but yeah, had a few different different roles, all within growth and business development. Um, I love talking to people and, and trying to help people fundamentally, fundamentally, and that's always been my approach to to anything business development so it has quite a nice synergy of what we're trying to do at GoBox so it feels like a, a great fit. Yeah it's great I mean being part of a sports team is I think well sports community is a really great way to kind of like, tackle mental health because obviously you get a really close bond with your teammates and things like that you always people there to talk to no matter what and you just have that that unity as a club which I think is great. Yeah absolutely. So what about you Lex what's your background? So my background, uh, I've worked in corporate environment for far too long, in my age away now, sort of over 25 years. Um, and a little bit like um, Ollie and, and kind of how we've all kind of met really, we met through our passion of rugby. Mm. But probably different to the other guys, I was never really good at it. <laughs> I was uh, probably better at badminton and Ollie will probably take me on at badminton. But Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> definitely a challenge. Um, but no, I was never really good at it, but... I always found a place in the rugby community because if I think back through my career and through stuff I've done kind of because I wanted to do it socially and kind of actively and that sort of stuff, I've always enjoyed being part of a team. Yeah. I've always enjoyed being a leader within the team, but building teams as well. 
So if I go back through my career in, in corporate environment, various roles across some very exciting and some very dull things, but they've always had at the core of them building a team, leading a team, getting the best people around you to deliver the best, the best. The best of the best. best, of the best yeah. <laughs> so I kind of took that into my sport. I was never the best player in the team, but would always be there, always be present. Um, That's what it's about, isn't it, really? Yeah, always give my best um, and just kind of almost pseudo kind of move into some kind of leadership role within there. Mm. So community rugby has been a massive part of my life um, and actually is where the Go Box journey kind of begun, um, but obviously has grown amazing arms and legs yeah. since then um, and has combined all of that to, all of that together, really. So, yeah, so that's me. Rubbish at rugby, but... Um, <laughs> But Great. obviously going to be much better player. badminton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Finally, Matt, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, so I guess everyone else has talked a bit about rugby, but for me, really, it started before that because I've only been playing sort of the past three years or so. Um, I was in the armed forces from the age of around 17 to about 23. Um, ultimately, the reason for me leaving on reflection was to do with my mental health. And the, the, the nature of how the forces is, it, it really is kind of controlling your whole life in a way. And um, I guess we'll talk a bit later about specific experiences kind of leading to this. But um, when I did grab the ball by the horns, I applied for redundancy and I was accepted because they had made a big push. And actually they had more applications than um, they had spaces, which says a lot about how the armed forces was becoming at the time, um, particularly for younger lads. Um, when I left, I had a bit of a panic and I thought, what am I going to do now? Um, I'd enjoyed the structure of having somewhat of a career and something that does touch into other areas of your life, but no real transferable skills. Um, that's when I learned that actually it was a viable option for me to go to uni via college. Um, so I got let out pretty much a month or two after being told I was accepted for the redundancy um, and I went to college to do an access to higher education course and all through college and university um, I went to Nottingham Trent University to do international business I had an interest really um, in mental health predominantly making myself feel better because actually I really struggled going from this structure into having absolutely no structure at all. Um, it was it was, took quite a toll on me and in the end I actually ended up realising there is something potentially uh, wrong with my mental health. Um, so I basically have learned how, how it affects people and not long after finishing uni, actually, I started up a marketing company um, with some business partners, and that's when I was introduced to GoBox as a supplier, really, for the web development and marketing. And very quickly, I thought, wow, like, we're onto something here. This, this platform is going to be able to help people um, because a lot of people that are suffering, they don't know it or they're not going to go and get help themselves. Um, if you could nip that in the bud and identify it early, then actually you could potentially help them and stop it becoming worse. No, no one really is going to go, oh, yeah, I don't feel okay. Um, I'm going to go speak to the doctor because there's still a lot of shame attached to that. Um, 
So I guess kind of from my own journey, that's what sparked my interest in mental health and well-being and everything like that. And now I tr- I'm pretty good at picking up on when people might be suffering myself, um, either whether that's kind of because they're withdrawing from social situations or maybe they're just not taking part or they're kind of seem a bit down and deflated, getting a bit angry and so on. Um, so really, if there's a tool that helps you do that en masse, I mean, why isn't everyone using it? So it was a no-brainer. Really, Great question. I, yeah. <laughs> it was a no-brainer when I actually um, was offered the opportunity to join the team full-time, and I haven't looked back since, really. Um, and I'm really glad to see so many organisations from different backgrounds using it. Um, it's, it's more of a passion project for me. I mean, if I ever left the fold, I'd miss it. So I feel like I'm, I'm here for life. It seems to be a... A gravitational pull around Scobox, and if you yeah. get too close, you're in. <laughs> what about you, Alex? What's your, your story? Well, I mean, I'm only 18. I've kind of just come out of school, and this job basically fell upon me. But I think it's really benefited me a lot because uh, Richard mentioned this earlier about previously my awareness for mental health was kind of like, like, that's, like doesn't affect me. I shouldn't really be that bothered. Like that macho bravo kind of mentality towards it however now that I've, i'm in GoBox and i've kind of like researched a lot about different types of mental health issues um like matt said i've kind of been able to like realize oh he's actually kind of or she's feeling a bit down i know i can understand and i know how to react to certain situations when i see them happening for example one of my friends he's gone through a bit of a rough, rough patch at the moment and through my like extensive research for certain things for the company I've actually known how to react and help him in a way. Obviously, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not like a psychologist, but it's just like the little things that do help, just being there to talk to him, being like around him, inviting him to things, even like the smallest of invites. So like, oh, do you want to come around? I'm with these people, but you're more than welcome. That can actually do quite a lot for someone's mental health, feeling that they're included and uh, building relationships with people makes me think kind of like what difference I could have made if I'd had that moment of realisation mm. when I was your age oh, because like I've said with the events that led to kind of starting GoBox I probably took 40 years thinking that if you talked about your emotions you were weak mm. whereas actually in the last two years I've learned that if you talk about your emotions you're incredibly strong um, and particularly if you listen to someone who's talking about their emotions, you're an absolute mammoth of a person because it, it, you, you can make such a difference into what what people do, what people do and, and how their outlook on life is. <laughs> so um, I feel, I've mentioned it many times, I talk to it with, with clients, I talk quite openly now, but I feel quite guilty about kind of those 40 years of kind of everyone has a bad day, make it over yourself. Yeah. I was probably at the point where I probably would have said to everybody that I've never had a mental health issue. I've, I've never been down, I've never been depressed, I've never been anxious. Mm. Actually, I've learned through working with clients and, and working with the platform and trying to fix kind of the, the gap that we identified that I, I have, but it's just not, never been given a label. You've kind of and shied it's not, away on Yeah, and it's not a problem. It's not like people say, we want to support people with a mental health problem. Well, as soon as we start losing that word problem off the end, Mm. We just want to help people. Everyone's got mental health, good, bad, and indifferent. Resilience can be high, low, medium, depending on what's going on in the world, close to you and far from you and all that sort of stuff. So you can react very differently to it, and people can kind of move 
move through it. Um, but yeah, I think at 18 years old to kind of have that realization that might be open to your own thoughts and feelings and emotions and being tuned into your, your friends and, and your support network around you is pretty impressive to be fair buddy thanks equally Richard I don't think that's something you should hold on to that guilt because it, it very much seems to be a generational thing and you can if you take a step back and look at the big picture of your typical demographics of, of each generation you've gone from that that sort of war era stiff upper lip kind of we're going to get, get through this. <laughs> <laughs> the grey hairs say something different. No, but it, it, it takes, uh, it does take generations to to create new habits within large society. So you can certainly see, you, like you said, you've kind of had an, almost a bit of an awakening to it. And then my generation is something that we're probably a bit more aware of. And then yourself, Alex, I think it'll be your actually your generation that really makes the biggest the, the biggest change and biggest impact within it because it is something that each generation has got a bit more awareness of obviously there's anomalies within them but I, I'm putting everything on your generation yeah. <laughs> well I mean I think for the past uh, decade 10 years that the focus on mental health has absolutely skyrocketed and I mean especially in well I've only been in school for what, seven years like secondary school but I've, I've noticed a massive focus, like increase. So at the start of school, uh, I mean, we talk about this later in the next podcast, however, um, you, you build up this body system from a young age where you, by say year seven, they'll be paired up for year 12. And it's kind of like building relationships throughout the school. And then as you get older, you fo they focus on how like social media affects you, because it is, that's a massive impact, especially on of my generation of people, like people constantly looking down at phones, texting, WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that. Like these platforms are actually quite um, not manipulative, but they can kind of control your feelings quite a lot. I mean, yeah. for example, seeing these like, um, like amazing looking people, models, and everything on social media, someone could look up. Stop checking me out on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Richard. <laughs> um, but. For a younger person, they might look. Oh, that's why. Well, why don't I look like that? And that's how social media effect like can affect people. That's kind of, kind of trading off where I was originally starting. Yeah, it'd be good to get a podcast in later in the series specifically around social media. I was say the same thing. It sounds like there's a, a deep dive into <laughs> yeah. this one. I think, I think what I would say with the with the GoVox story is one of the things that we hit upon when we created GoVox was actually people engage, and we just live in a society now where people engage incredibly well with a screen, Yeah. and that screen is usually their app or their phone or, or, or kind of their smartphone. Other phones are available. Other phones are <laughs> um, But they engage really openly. You only have to, not everybody, but you only have to look across kind of Facebook, Instagram, mm. you guys have got different platforms now, TikTok and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. People will talk to, be it in type or through video, really openly to their to their screen, mm. if you sat next to that person and asked them a question, they'd probably be quite close. Yeah. So actually the platform that GoVox operates on and the platform that, that I didn't build it, there's guys a lot cleverer than me <laughs> yeah. that know how to do these things that were absolutely instrumental with where we've got to, has latched onto that behavior. So I quite like the fact that we've taken something that is potentially negative and, switch and switched it into actually now, your phone, your screen, mm. your laptop screen, your tablet screen, your smartphone screen has be, is now a window with the right tool behind it to help you. 
which, which I'm really quite proud of. I mean, there's loads of things through the Going Watch journey I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, but that's one of them really, like taking potentially harmful technology. People aren't going to put their phones down. It's going to get more and more and more. Mm. But actually, just by putting something into it that means that they can talk openly, but someone's listening on the other end, because essentially yeah. that's what GoBox is doing through data and insight, and then people can get support when they need it. Yeah, well, I was, I was looking at the statistic uh, not too long ago, and it was saying 82% of people, well, this was, they like surveyed a 1,000 people, and I said 82% of these people said if someone asked them how they were feeling, they are more than likely to say, yes, I'm fine, rather than kind of like opening up to them. And it's that, like you're saying, it's that face-to-face confrontation. It's actually really hard for people to overcome. You can be the most confident person in the world, and you might find it hard to open up. How many times have we been for a meal, and we've sat there, and we've gone, oh, this is a bit, this steak's a bit tough, and these veggies are a bit, bit, bit horrible. Yeah. And then the waiter comes along and says, how's your meal? And you go, yeah, it's lovely, thanks. Yeah, it's like, we don't have that. And, and whether that's a an English British society thing or whether you yeah. see that the world over I'm sure different cultures have different ways of, of, of expressing those sorts of things but it, I think it's a similar example um, we see it now so you, you mentioned there kind of surveying a thousand people we've we've completed over 250,000 check-ins mm. um, and it's incredible how open people are it's not an anonymous process because GoBox is all about not being a number and actually the person that's responsible for you if you need support, they can spot it and they can help you. Um, but 250,000 check-ins. Um, and there is always something in every dashboard we produce for mm. every client. There is something in there where someone needs a conversation. Now, there might be something. It might be nothing. It might be everything. But at least the conversation's happening. And it's there for that person to harness and use to their best life. Exactly. You mentioned the social media stuff with schools. Mm. So we're live in a number of schools. And one of the questions we specifically ask is... Um, are you comfortable with the way people interact with you on social media? Mm. Now, we're not saying, are you being bullied on Facebook? Yeah. That's a bit intrusive. That's not how we operate. But actually, if a child responds back to that, or, or a young adult responds back to that, and, and, and as a red flag, we, we call it a red flag, and they disagree with that statement, well, at least their, their school pastoral care or their teacher or whoever's um, looking at the dashboard can start a conversation. Now, it might just be that someone sent them a message they didn't like, or it might just be... That, that they're having a bad day or in quite a few cases that we're starting to see is actually the, the the thread that you start to pull that realizes that this kid's or this child's kind of subject to some online bullying and there's a, a support required there to kind of help them through that so that's probably a great example of what GoBox really is yeah. asking non-intrusive questions on a regular basis and then making sure that those answers are easily visible and actionable from the person that takes so, on obviously on the topic of mental health, as that's what GoBox is about. What experiences have you guys kind of faced in your career or well, life? In fact, um, so Matt, yeah, I don't know if you can hear oh, yeah. my monotonous, monotonous voice going on there. <laughs> uh, but basically, for me, I guess completely fine all throughout life. Um, always wanted to join the army. Always wanted to go abroad somewhere particularly on an operational tour. Um, so basically, in Af- uh, Afghanistan was approaching for the regiment, but they filled the spaces by trade, and there was always going to be some people left 
and um, because they have a, what's called a rear party, I think it's called, or something like that, that stays on the main camp uh, in Germany, which is where we were based. Um, and it turned out that they didn't really see the need for plumbers initially, um, and I was a plumber by trade in the forces. Um, then an opportunity presented itself for someone to become a searcher, um, because actually, normally it's an EOD regiment that um, advance, uh, provides these search teams, but also some of the other engineer regiments going on tour, get some people trained up. Um, so I volunteered to do the course, um, the search course. So basically, we'd be looking for IEDs in Afghanistan. Um, they agreed that I could go ahead and do the training, so I did the training. Fast forward to us going on tour, um, I realised, wow, these things are actually real. Um, they build up your confidence in training, but what they don't tell you is that probably on, on your average tour, at least one search will probably get blown up by one of these devices. Um, we were on a job, we got called out um, because someone else had partially detonated an IED. Um, it was on a ditch, and actually at the time they said these are these are random features, you're probably not going to get targeted on a linear feature like this um, because people are always going through ditches um, and actually we soon found out that that's the prime place to play something because patrols, these infantry patrols are always following generally the same route, um, crossing similar ditch, ditches and so on and so forth. So we got caught out on this job. Um, my friend Jim was actually leading uh, the search because you meant to go round an area basically, I won't bore you to death, to make sure that certain ways of initiating the devices are negated. Um, we, we went really slowly across this first ditch where the partial detonation had happened earlier, got across no problems. Um, then basically what happened was we approached another ditch, my friend Jim just started walking down there with his detector and then there was a massive explosion and what happened was he basically lost both his legs in this incident. Um, he was flown back obviously back to Birmingham um, and operated on and everything. Um, we were told that we got him out of there pretty quickly um, and he had a fair chance um, but obviously Thankfully, he survived, which is a really good thing. But from that moment onwards, my confidence in my ability to find these things really declined. So it was a bit of a pressure cooker environment from then onwards. I'd be really cautious, quite slow, um, always going down, kind of getting my bayonet out and digging if I thought there might may be some signs of something. Um, so for the rest of the tour, I kind of went like that. I didn't volunteer to lead the... Um, the kind of routes round because of how slow I was going and everything like that and quite selfishly but I guess many people would do it I didn't fancy my chances and crossing these ditches first um, got back to Cyprus and we were stuck there for a few days so we were allowed to drink and everything I mean I got drunk really easily I was in Cyprus um, Next thing, I wake up in a bush covered by mosquitoes and I, the reason why I went to this bush is because I thought, you know what, I was looking around drinking, people were laughing, 
and I was thinking about the people that weren't fortunate enough to make it back in one piece and I guess there was a lot of guilt attached and basically from there kind of stemmed that over a long period of time I realised I had problems around that. I kind of blamed myself for not volunteering, not being man enough to lead these patrols and so on. Um, basically I just had big problems around that and the anxiety that I built up around it and everything. Um, so from there I felt kind of really detached when I was back home. Um, didn't feel like anyone would understand. Re I didn't like my mates. I'd look around and feel like there's no bond there. Um, I'd, get, I'd get absolutely steaming to be honest with you. Look for trouble. Thankfully not many people took me up on the offer but I'd, I'd be looking. Um, In fact, you're about six foot ten, probably. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess also it really came to the fore because of college and university and that lack of structure. Things kind of weren't going to get any better. Um, so I eventually, kind of went to speak to Combat Stress, and they did a test. I thought, okay, from my research, probably a bit of anxiety, a bit of depression. I mean, early on, I'd go in a supermarket. I'd be like really self-conscious, think everyone's looking at me. I wouldn't be talking when in a queue because I think everyone's listening and judging. I'd have to listen to music to go out and about. I'd really start sweating when I thought people were looking at me. So, I mean, I'd be dripping in the middle of winter, walking into a bar, like all kinds of problems, really. Um, then when I went to speak to Combat Stress, they said, actually, you just meet the... Um, requirements or diagnosis for PTSD to some degree. Um, so I was like pretty taken aback by that. But when we talked through everything, it made sense. Um, gradually, I was able to kind of do cognitive behavioral therapy and stuff like that, which was a little bit of a help. But by this point, I was already aware that the things I'm thinking are stupid, but I, I kind of am used to it now. And I'm pretty much, uh, some of the symptoms and stuff have gone. Um, sometimes I can be a bit down and everything like that, but generally in a better place now. And the main thing is, it, it took me forever to open up to anyone, to talk about it in any way, because at the time, as Richard said, I mean, stiff up a lip, no one would talk about these things still. But thankfully, now it's become quite normal to talk about them. And that's the one thing I'd say to people that are feeling a bit weird or down in whatever way, just talk to people, and there is someone that will listen. And had I had something that was, or someone that was checking in with me, not not a medic talking to me, because actually one thing that kind of put me off getting help was there was uh, a medic in the forces that they had a chat with everyone before you leave. And this guy was saying, uh, he assumed that because as a Royal Engineer, all I was doing was filling boxes with sand and stuff like that. Um, but actually, I, I mean, I'd been on this quite high pressure tour and he's like, yeah, I mean, there's probably nothing wrong with you. Um, you might need to cut down your drinking though. And that dismissive remark actually really put me off getting any help. So I think if anyone does present anything, you need to kind of not play it down and not just, you need to actually say, wow, like, tell me more. How do you feel? Blah, blah, blah. So it's just... In a roundabout way, I think we need to just do more to talk to people, to support them and carry on breaking down the barriers. Um, it needs to be, I think employers have a responsibility to check in with people, see, make sure they're doing okay, because 
how much of your life do you spend in the workplace? Like, a fair amount of it, at least a third. I mean, people work outside of the normal office hours as well. So I think, and additionally, sports clubs. So one major thing that has helped me in recent years is playing sports. Rugby's given me that outlet for my aggression. Um, great bunch of mates play within the rules, so I'm not just going for scraps or anything <laughs> like that. Um, keeping fit, I found fitness is a big thing. Um, if, you, if you're keeping fit, obviously, then you're more likely to eat well and not have a bad perception of your body and everything like that. So mixture of kind of sports and awareness, I think, are the way forward with mental health. And that's uh, my life story. I feel like I need to pause now and give Trust a hug. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that was heavy. No, thank, thanks for sharing that. Man. Yeah, that's so, brilliant. Mate. That's a big Appreciate load to carry, so to be able to share that so openly is amazing. Yeah, well done. Top lad as well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a few mates who've uh, from school, they've joined the army, and they've kind of come back and told me about some of their like, higher people, higher in commands. They talk about like when they've gone on tour, and it's like the way certain people deal with different things especially within the army with such a high pressure job, like you said, where obviously I can't speak from experience, but I just, obviously from what I've heard, what I've seen, obviously dramatised TV and stuff, it's not the same, but because it's such a high pressure job and there's things that you just wouldn't see on a regular basis, on a normal job, but the way certain people deal with it, like my friend was saying, one of his high in command, when they was on tour, they saw some, like, some quite horrific things. However, he was able to kind of like knock it off his shoulder, kind of almost in a sense, laugh, not laugh, but have a very light view on it. Whereas my friend, he was also saying some people had like, had to leave because how how heavy that burden was on them, seeing these and yeah. witnessing and being in these kind of situations. I'm, 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 no, I'm no expert by a million miles. And I don't have the same story that Trust has got. I'm, yeah. I was a heating engineer by train, so we never came across quite so many dangers. <laughs> Just depending on which guy you were following that had been in before you. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I think when you use that example of the guy that kind of seemingly is brushing it off, yeah. When we when we created GoBox, um, it was born from, as I mentioned, a couple of uh, couple of incidents that really impacted us. Um, and when we, we 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 first started to talk to leaders across lots of organisations, sports clubs, schools, uh, corporate environments, just to first of all see if we if the cases we'd experienced were in isolation and unfortunately they weren't there was more than them than, than we than we wished for um because one is too many and uh when we when we spoke to the leaders we were looking to see if anything was missing kind of what could we do we were quite a proactive bunch of people and what could we do to stop this happening I, I had a guy in my in my day job who um didn't turn up for work and that's the best way i can put it um unfortunately unfortunately Fortunately, he wasn't successful in the reason why he didn't turn up. He tried to take his life the night before in a park. Um, me as a leader, I kind of went into as a I wasn't his direct line manager, um, but he was was it was, was within my organisation. I kind of went very kind of basically. Someone hasn't turned up for work. Well, we pay him. Why hasn't he turned up? Kind of that very kind of red kind of manager of kind of like kind of where is he? Let's sort of find out what's going on. When we when I actually found out what happened. I felt like the guilt was yeah. ridiculous. Like now that that was probably the one of the biggest catalysts for kind of 
starting the conversations that led to GoBox. Because that I remember myself that one weekend. So it happened on the Friday. Then I found out on the Friday afternoon the reason why he hadn't turned up for work was because he tried to take his own life, had some challenges going on outside of work. And I spent the whole weekend like just being terrible at myself. That yeah. I, I jumped to this first conclusion of, what do you mean some bloke, what, has he gone to the pub and had too many beers and just not bothered getting out of bed today? We didn't mm. pay him to do a job. And actually to realise that someone within my within my sphere of influence that I was responsible for, without me knowing, it got to the point that they wanted to take an action that was so like tragic, um, really affected me. Um, and I kind of made a personal promise that I'd gone through my career and kind of my sports leadership stuff, kind of looking at league tables, kind of the top of this and winning this game or productivity within a business and all of that sort of stuff. But actually... I made a vow to myself that I just don't want to lose anyone on my watch. I think, um, like you were saying, going back to uh, you, was, you had that like very like manager headset. Like why, why is he in this? That and the other. People need to practice empathy a lot more. And going into a situation, rather than like you said, going in, why weren't you in? Like for for example, oh the stocks are really low today. What is wrong with you? Why can't you do this? Why people need to practice empathy and turn around and say, oh actually, is everything alright at home? Because it seems like you're not putting in like the work's yeah. not the same and like you don't yeah. feel fully with it. And it's 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 like the changing words also the subtlest change asking someone, Are you alright? Well actually I've oh, actually I'm struggling, my kids like he's not doing work, so he's getting a bit bullied. Yeah. Now that's come out then you can actually be like you find the reason behind it. Whereas when someone comes at you like oh, quite heavy headed and that can that might kind of unmotivate you almost you won't want to come in the next day well you're going to close off as well so yeah. you're not going to open up so when you spoke about the the guy that kind of on the outset of it and matt had the experiences in the in the army where kind of you had to put this front on almost hmm. when we when we talked to the kind of leadership uh, groups across a myriad of different organizations we actually found out the support was pretty good really really good support out there loads of organizations that can support people that want to help people the bit that we identified that was missing, that is if you're put in a leadership role or in charge of a group of people, you don't get sprinkled with this magic dust that gives you a sixth sense yeah. of getting everything right and knowing who needs you and, and, and having this kind of ability to be open to everyone's feelings. So when we looked at the examples that we were starting to get through and share around people that had really struggled, they had a couple of things in common. One of them is they were predominantly male, but not always. So again, we want to make sure that this isn't just a male conversation. Um, but the one thing they absolutely all had in common is they were the ones in your group that you wouldn't have expected. They were kind of the life and soul of the party, the first to the bar. So if you're in that group with them, let's say a team of 25 people, they, they were the people that you would have, wouldn't have expected because they kind of had this ability to put like a bit of a shield on. Yeah. Um, so that's where we kind of challenged ourselves to say, right, if you're in charge of a group of people, if you've got responsibility for a group of people, can we create a tool that enables you to know very quickly, it's not, it doesn't replace anything you do now or would do in the future, but it's just a helping hand that says, do you know what, by using this tool, you can reach out to people on a regular basis using data and insight, which is something I get quite nerdy about, um, you can actually start to identify some of those underlying things, coupled with that bit that we spoke about around social behaviours of people opening up to their screen. Mm -hmm. So these people that were, were struggling, 
the, the life and soul of the party within your group. So, so if you were in a group environment, if you were, uh, I don't know, let's take a typical kind of business team, 20 odd people reporting into one manager, they'd probably be the joker in the pack, potentially. You're not going to, if you got the, if you went for a team curry or curry night or something, they, they're not going to sit in the corner particularly quiet. Um, but actually, in their, when, when they're kind of reflecting on things, and if you ask them specific questions in a way that they feel comfortable to answer them, and that's where the GoBox tool comes in, mm. because they're comfortable to answer it through their phone. We get a ridiculous engagement rate, something like 75% of people engage with the tool, yeah. which, which is mind-blowing. Um, and, that's, and, that's really, and, and that's really, for something that's such a difficult issue for people to deal with, and, and what we've kind of developed isn't the only solution, it's not the golden bullet, but it's part of the package. Yeah. It enables you to go and, and, and kind of apply the support where you need it rather than kind of a vanilla blanket approach to everybody. And like you're saying, in that manager's role, obviously like, the, not like the carer, but they oversee everyone in their group. Like I said, if there was a group of 20 people, a team of 20 people even, and it's the manager's job to ask everyone how they are. It's, that is, first of all, quite a tough job and it takes a lot of time. And obviously, like I said, it's not replacing that their job in any way by it. It's a tool to help them create a, a better yield in a shorter period of time. Yeah. And like I said, obviously if there's people who are actually, they're fine, they don't need the help. That's very easy to, for them to not, not ignore them, but they can focus solely on the people who do need the help more. Yeah. And, and the way I, I mean, we're all rugby lads, aren't we? Apart from uh, Ollie and his badminton. <laughs> um, we, we, we've all got a shared love of rugby. Yeah. Um, I, I Think you can take a lot from that environment and apply it into life so i look at the captain of a team so if you get made the captain of the rugby team doesn't mean you're the best rugby player doesn't mean you're then sprinkled with this magic dust that gives you a sixth sense it just means that you've taken a, a level of responsibility that your peers have agreed with that the people in charge have given you the, the nod for but you now carry a level of responsibility for your team, for their actions, for their well-being. Um, without knowing it, you're you're actually taking a huge responsibility for their discipline, all of those sorts of things. Um, but you're still the same guy or girl that you were five minutes before you were made captain yeah. of the team. In the same way, if you work your way through the old corporate ladder or whatever organisation you work in, when you get that title of manager, you're still the same person you were five minutes before. And I'll tell you what, in 25 years' time, you'll still be the same person you were. It's just you've got to learn how to kind of be that voice for people and how to spot your talent and how to spot when people need your support um, rather than be, I don't know, maybe the traditional manager of years ago where it's all about giving someone a task to do and kind of berating them until they do that task mm. to the best of their ability. And if they can't do it, remove them and get someone else in to do it. That type of management doesn't exist anymore. Leadership is what it's about because actually everyone knows that the leader probably isn't the best person at the job because if they were, they'd probably still be doing the job. <laughs> um, but they're just the best person at getting the best out of the people with the talent. Definitely. You, you I say you're a person in your own right as well. So you have just as much chance, ability um, to be anxious, to be down, to be unhappy, to for your resilience to be low. Um, due to a myriad of things going going on in your life. Um, I recently um, lost both my fathers, my stepdad and my, and my dad, um, and I thought I was a tough cookie, 
Mm. Um, and I, I probably was the guy that kind of always there to support people. Um, but I think if I hadn't have gone through the last two years with the GoBox journey, I wouldn't have been as open to reach out and realise, like right across, like people that you don't expect sometimes and you get like a WhatsApp often because maybe you posted something on Facebook and they've read right between the lines on it. <laughs> and then that little WhatsApp out of nowhere, just to know that someone actually has got your back is, is pretty powerful. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I can kind of pick up on that stuff as well. So if people are kind of, not the not the type of like Facebook post that says, uh, oh, screw this, F you all, and someone <laughs> comments, inbox me, babe. <laughs> I'm on about like people are kind of posting a lot of stuff and almost like trying to put up a front. It's, it's, it's often quite easy to see through that and actually it's worth sending them a message and just saying how, how are things going and you find a lot of the time be like yeah yeah not too bad doing this doing that but if, if you persist eventually they'll probably open up and sometimes I find actually people will come to me with their problems and stuff if I if I'm open about it and if I do the odd kind of post myself and so on so yeah I mean I completely agree with what you said around that, um, and I kind of share that sentiment. I think it's like uh, you mentioned before, telling that um, kind of tool that can be looked on quite negatively and can be a negative thing, and switching it over to a positive thing. Where, like you said, as soon as you kind of break down the barriers of how are you, like messaging someone, even that they might say no, they they might think for future references almost, oh, this person's actually yeah contacted me, been there for me. Even though you might, they might have not said anything. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. On the GoBox tool, one of the first things we do with any new client, whether they're a sports club, a school, a small small business, yeah. 10, 15 people, a big corporate environment, doesn't matter, they get the same treatment. They get a welcome email from us. And it explains kind of, well, nowadays with GDPR, you have to explain a lot of things, and rightly so. So it covers <laughs> off all, ticks all those boxes. But one of the things that it mentions in there is that, and it will mention the name of the organisation, but it will say why, do, why they are doing it, because they're investing in, the, in, in, in you. But what the words that we use is they're doing it because they care about you. Yeah. And actually, just to get that, so that one email that comes through, hi, welcome to GoVox, so-and-so, whoever they are, whoever you work for, whoever you play your sport for, whoever signed up for us, have decided to get involved with this because they care about you. That, that's that's massive that 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 alone and then obviously you start into the regular stuff and people realize and what I've kind of learned is that there's a if you take a hundred percent of people there's probably 10 or 20 percent of people that are uber cynical about everything in life they probably would say that my mobile phone sitting there now is recording everything I'm saying um, and like are panicked about it so they don't overly engage with the tool to be fair and that's an honest reflection you've got another kind of like 20, 30% of people at the top end who, who will do whatever you ask them to do. Whatever they, like they trust their organisation that they're linked to. If they ask them to jump, they'll just jump uh, and, and they'll do it because they've got that ingrained in trust in there. Um, and then you've got the, the people in the middle that kind of, kind of, is this for me? Like, okay, so I'm going to get checked in with on a regular basis. I've got to answer some questions. My line manager, for example, knows that it's me that said these things or responded in this way might feel a bit uncomfortable about that so actually they go kind of one or two ways some of them just get on and do it and they get the benefit from it and then what we find is after a couple of months the ones that weren't getting involved start seeing things happening around them yeah. 
and then they start to join the dots together. So actually, oh, the reason why so-and-so is now getting additional support is because they actually opened up and they actually said, you know what, um, one of the questions we ask is, um, things really bother me. Now, we're not saying, do you suffer from anxiety? Because again, that's, that's, a, that's a very intrusive question. But, but just saying to someone, things really bother me, someone takes a nanosecond to think about that and give a response. Those that come up on a red flag on the system, there's a conversation to be had, and that's where we use the prioritizer conversations that matter, which I haven't mentioned on here, um, but that's kind of the tagline of everything that we do. Yeah. It is about when you wake up on a Monday morning, what is the, if you're responsible for a group of people, however big or small, um, whatever you're responsible for them for, who would most benefit from a cup of tea and a chat? Nowadays, obviously, we haven't even mentioned the old coronavirus, but <laughs> we're obviously still in still in that. A cup of tea might be a virtual cup of tea these days. And we have found a huge, probably a podcast in this one, mate, on the, the impacts of coronavirus and increased isolation and anxiety. But Episode two, you interviewed Wendy at John Henry. What kind of topics can we expect from that then? So you'll be expecting things like how the school system has things in place for Firstly, new students, as well as new teachers coming into play, how the school will support them throughout their entire journey, and um, just yeah, what they have in place for students and teachers. And I think focusing, obviously, school focuses a lot on the children, but we do talk and quite a lot about how teachers are affected because that isn't really mm. well known to, especially students, because you're well, from personal experiences, I can say I wasn't. The ideal student. <laughs> I, I didn't really care about teachers, but looking back and speaking to Wendy Howard about like things that have placed them and mental health system, basically, I look back and kind of, wow, I wish I knew that before I knew how, because being a teacher is a very stressful job. Don't yeah, get me you've wrong. probably got better understanding already for what I'd what have, it might be like to control her. Yeah, I'd have hated to teach me. That's <laughs> for sure. <Definitely. laughs> so, it's great that there, there's already the the start of a mental health journey within schools in terms of helping identify and support that because if it's something that you can engage with from a, an early age particularly i'm going to talk about young males here again but if you can get in front of the issue early doors there that's going to have enormous benefits going on for the rest of your life oh and that essentially that's what school is there for us to show you all the tools prepare. and to prepare you for pretty much life and Definitely. obviously mental health being a massive part in life it's, yeah, it prepares you for pretty much any eventuality well thanks for your first podcast yeah and as i said at the start just getting four guys in a room to talk about mental health for me is a massive very warm leap forward four yes. people four people i knew i know well including myself but i probably <laughs> learned something about all of us including myself so i think um Great effort. If you could um, edit out the bit about me admitting I'm rubbish at rugby, <laughs> yeah. but in future podcasts we will update on the badminton um, match between me and um, Ollie. Then it's not even going to be a match, mate. Now that essentially concludes everything for today's podcast. If you're interested in getting involved with GoBox, want to talk on a podcast, or even just want to talk about mental health in general, feel free to contact us. We'll be more than happy to help. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers.